0: Welcome to Strongest on the Field Radio,
1: where we aim to educate youth athletes, sports coaches, strength coaches, and parents on sports performance. The fat elephant. That's the dude. only
0: reason I know because Logan and Lindsay wear it, it, right? Yeah, Yeah. Dude. I do it. All right, dude, so it's
1: happening.
0: It's already going. I it's love going. It. <laughs> I, I, I guess. Well, because a lot of stuff gets missed beforehand. You start talking about a lot of cool stuff beforehand, mm-hmm. um, so I just figured, dude, man, yeah.
1: get get it rolling. There, there doesn't have to be a formal start, right?
0: <sighs> we'll we'll get it. Yeah. All right, ready? Here we go. Yeah. <clears throat> what's up internet this is Juan g strongest on the field radio next to me i got ronnie the special guest carl you might hear other voices in the background but all awesome dope people uh ronnie want to say
2: hi carl you want to say hi what's up guys um yeah today is like ridiculously incredible because Juan and i when we first started coaching you were one of the guys who were pioneering um a movement and and really paying more attention to how we move and I can go, I can think back to like gymnastics wad, and I would YouTube that and go to the website you created for that and kind of talking about the kipping pull-ups and connecting all of these different things. And it's, it's way a few years ago. Uh, yeah. And, and, but I remember like religiously looking at those and like, oh, that's how you do it. Because when you first start, you know, quote unquote CrossFit, that's one of the most exciting things. And you were one, you were the one who was really breaking it down in a, in a, in a way that it really made sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and it goes from that to burpees to pistols and all these different and different movements. And man, you were one of the first ones that we looked up to as a coach. And uh, obviously Logan spoke very highly of you. And to sit down and have a conversation with you is like, it's unreal. So thank you so much for this. Dude, yeah,
1: I'm stoked to be here uh, and crazy to think the power of the Internet, huh?
0: Dude, it's crazy. I was
1: up making it up. No, you weren't. Dude, dude, I'm telling you. Maybe. 90% of the stuff that I was saying, I was like, I think this is it, right? Yeah. (laughs) And no one was around me, so I was like, I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put it out there. But it kind of worked.
0: Yeah, it It worked. worked. Uh, So a little background on, for those of you that don't know Carl, if you don't know Carl, you've been living under a rock or you're under the age of. Twenty, right. uh, which is some is that, of our, that's some, mean I'm no, no, it's just like some of our audience are like y- younger kids and they're not in the CrossFit world. Makes yeah. sense. So they're just youth athletes. Um, Carl's an OG CrossFitter. He's a uh, man. We'll talk about him a little bit. <laughs> he's an a man. Olympian, in uh, a retail expert, a wanna great be, father, wanna,
1: wanna be Olympian, didn't make it. Oh, didn't make that it. We'll talk about the story. That's the story. We'll talk about. it But he's about. better for it, dude. Totally fell short. But look at me now. Look at him dude. now, man. Uh, podcasting. Podcasting with <laughs>
2: Juan and Ronnie. He said no, the the dude does it all, so yeah. Uh, like, I'm gonna say that I guess keep, let's, go,
1: keep let's, going dude I need, I, need, I need to fill my you know uh, let his ego build like, okay, well, re- let's, my reassurance
2: let's, let's tell
0: that story of like okay as a kid what, what kind of was the, the pull to gymnastics what are some lessons learned there what is the struggle you can tell that story and we can uh, kind of bring that back into like what are those lessons that we can teach and learn from and how you've applied that to um, moving on into a coach and then into the business expert that you're now
1: yeah, yeah. I, you know I think I uh, think actually tonight we have this big event at Deuce. It's going to be awesome. Uh, really looking
2: forward to that. It's going to be gonna awesome, be and I'm
1: actually going to talk about that tonight. But w- one of the biggest struggles that uh, I faced was uh, being in an individual sport. Yeah. Gymnastics is it's you and no one else. Mm-hmm. And although you have a team and, and people that you lean on and whatnot, you're, when you're competing, you're competing on your own. So at a very young age, I mean, I, I probably was eleven or twelve when I realized that competing for me was always competing against myself, and that was just hard to deal with as a kid. It's like, what does it mean to yeah compete against yourself? And um, how do you how do you compare? I, I just didn't really understand that because in practice, you don't you don't get a score. You just show up and you do the reps and you're trying to chase quality and execute in a certain way. And that's where um, I struggled a lot kind of with uh, identifying what was my role as an athlete. Yeah. What was it I really trying to do? And when you play team sports, you, you play a position. In yeah. the gymnastics, the position is you. Yeah. And now. That's you-
0: such a crazy that dynamic. Oh, I, I We come from ball sports, so you get immediate feedback is, did you win or did you not win? And that's as, as immediate as in practice, right? You play small-sided and like, all right, well, I did well. Right. And I can measure and identify. Yeah. Um, I just... Yeah, it's a different.
2: Yeah, it's and a you, different dynamic. And you you carry the bear of the of the responsibility and performance. So if we if the team loses, loses, there's a possibility that you could say, "Well, I played well on my in my position, but it was something else that causes the loss." Mm-hmm. It's almost uh, it almost never happens where you were the sole responsibility, except like Bill Buckner, the guy who was playing first and the ball went in between his legs and they lost the World Series or whatever. Um, but in your position, in your sport, you were, you know, you're solely responsible for,
1: mm-hmm. for your performance. So it's it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, it's crazy. And then what was interesting is I guess I was probably 13, 14 when I realized that um, that competition was happening every day. That you were competing. Every rep you did was a competition against yourself. And this, the sooner you, you pick that up, the, the sooner you started leveling up. And the excitement of competition wasn't just about competition day, but it was before. So in gymnastics, before each event, you get uh, like a minute, a uh, minute and a half for the whole group to jump on the piece of equipment, warm up your routine kind of thing, just like parts and pieces. And you have to wrestle. You have to wrestle with the other uh, athletes for time. To, for time for that. that's the competition piece then the, the moment where you do your routine that's just another rep it's just another practice day so the competition itself you're not nervous it's the like hey let's wrestle to get, get prepped and now execute and that's kind of um, what's interesting about the world of strength and conditioning is you realize that what you're really focusing on is that The preparation towards uh, the execution of the routine, the movement, the workout, whatever it may be, and and that in in our case, and you know, if you're a CrossFitter or someone who's in strength conditioning, it's the warm up. It's like the leading up to. It's the progression towards, which takes a certain mindset and emotional state uh, to be able to align that with your mindset, and then uh, establish physically where you're at and how you should perform physically to, to crush it. And, uh, that's where I saw a huge translation into all of a sudden going to school and being like, school is freaking easy. Like, what is this? This is so easy. All the answers are in the book. The teacher's telling me exactly what to do. I know exactly what to study. Yeah, chilling. Sure. What, what's, what's the big deal? Yeah. Dude, so I, thanks, thanks to gymnastics, because of that struggle, I was able to pull it into a school, and high school was easy for me. And then when I got to college, that's when I realized, oh, college, you have this freedom. And that's when I started building teams to help me uh, get through schooling just as a way of, okay, you need these degrees to be able to climb the ladder, dot, 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 and then You know, as you get older, you you realize, oh, yeah, it's not about climbing the ladder. It's not about the money. It's not about the accolades. It's not about all these things. It's about uh, the process and sharing that and feeling it and enjoying it. And I think that's how it's translated into my professional life. And uh, that's one of the reasons I felt so comfortable making videos and being like, I don't really know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But guess what? Feels right to me. Must be right.
2: Yeah. So um,
1: you, you talked about building teams. My brother's a freshman in
2: college, and there's a, lot, a few college athletes. Who listen, you said building teams. So for someone you know who's entering college, what are some of uh, what can they do to kind of help themselves out through the progress of co- or the process of college, where there is a lot of freedom? It is possible to kind of fall astray and kind of get lost in, in it. So
1: is there anything, any suggestions,
2: any tips on how to help yourself out?
1: For sure. The buddy system is is key. Like you need to find – first of all, when you go to college, it, it's a system. You need to learn the rules. Figure out what the rules are of college, right? Yeah. And then uh, start to draw an approximate path that you're going to take. And it doesn't matter if you have two years where you don't know where you're going to study – As long as you know, okay, I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to get a degree, and this is why I'm getting a degree, now you at least know why you're there, right? So now you start drawing where you're going to go. So that's the first thing. You need to map out. And then the second thing is know the rules of the game. And once you know the rules of the game, now you have to play it. And you have to play it as hard as you can. And as soon as you start playing it, you'll realize that you need uh, accountability. You need people to lean on. You need people to learn from, and you need to identify where you're strong as a student, where you're strong within the game, and then where you're weak. And wherever you're weak, you need to see that in your buddies and mm-hmm. lean on that because mm-hmm. your your weaknesses are your opportunities. Yeah, Carol wick wh- Yeah, exactly. That's where you're gonna. That's where you're gonna move. So lean on your strengths, move towards your weakness, and do that with someone. Boom. That's awesome and then realize that whatever standards they're giving you whatever uh path they say is the optimal path or what people normally do it doesn't have to be like that you set the set those standards Yeah. so that's where you have a year maybe to establish how am i going to get through this thing and for what what do i want to get out of it and for me i realized that i I wasn't really sure why I was studying what I was studying. I just thought it was cool. What did you study? Uh, I started environmental science, and I specialize in uh, genetic engineering and then marine biology. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's almost it's, the yeah. same as Ronnie's math major. I'm a math major. Dude. It's crazy. <laughs> well, it's great because yeah. math is the universal language
2: of everything. It dude. is. It is, but it, it's the way it's interpreted. Mathematics. It is, it is a great thing, but the way it is interpreted through the collegiate system, the college system, it, it doesn't translate. I learned topology. And I learned my upper division math classes have no relevance to real life. So although mathematics is the language of the world, the way it was expressed in the college and system, it doesn't do any, anything. Too academic?
1: Yeah, it's, it, it doesn't carry over. It, it, yeah, because you're, you're learning techniques, not skills. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Exactly. College is not about learning the techniques. The techniques you can get anywhere. You can read a damn book. You can go on YouTube University. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. If you just apply yourself, you can learn the techniques. The skills can only be developed if you bring some of those techniques to an environment. And that's the, the understanding that you gain from bringing the knowledge Uh, into context, right? Understanding only happens in context. So the the game of college for me was creating a team that would allow me to navigate going from point A, the start, to point B, the finish, Mm -hmm. in the most efficient, effective way possible, and for me to uh, get to the next level. And in retrospect, it made sense that I was uh, trying to, uh, do as much as possible with as little time as possible. So for example, my, my degree was, uh, a bachelor's in science, uh, with honors, they call it in Europe. So it's an extra year. Okay. And so five years, it's kind of like between a BS and a master. Okay. Okay. So right. it's, it's something like that. And what I realized is that after your first year, now I could start picking whatever I wanted in terms of credits, units, from any any courses, any years, uh, so I can mix and match however I wanted. So I, I, I created uh, an opportunity to finish in four years rather than five. Oh, okay. And then in addition to that, I knew that if I did well during the year, which I knew how to study, I could take the summers off and now go abroad. And that's where I started studying in Singapore, and uh, I was interning and prepping for – my final year uh, and the, the final like thesis and project. Yeah. So when my fourth year was completed, I was completely done. I came to the US from Spain and I spent a year here just kind of figuring out what do I want to do with my life. And at the same time, all I had to do was on my spare time write my thesis. I went back, graduated, boom, done. And uh, now I, I could start the real world. But what I realized was that it was all about team building during that yeah i fucked up a lot (laughs) and i realized the day i fucked up was i was i was in the library it was like 10 p.m or something like that and i was like okay i'm ready to go have a little dinner and uh two girls that i was working with on like sharing notes and stuff i walked by them i was like you got those notes ready and they're like working on them and i said i'm going for dinner i'll see you in two hours kind of thing (laughs) and and they just looked at me like you motherfucker. And then they told me that I was being unfair, and I was like, oh, yeah, totally. That is totally unfair. So I made it up, uh, of course, and, and learned a lesson. And you we're you good should have
0: said, I'm going to go get you guys dinner. I, I didn't realize. Dude. I
1: was, I was young <laughs> and dumb, yeah. dude. Yeah.
0: Uh, talk about this team. Who, When you say team, who do you talk about, and then what are some of those buddies that kept you accountable with, um, you mentioned weakness and what were those weaknesses?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, the, the team was composed by three levels. Uh, one that was an equal to me, meaning someone that was, uh, operating at the same level, same classes, uh, same year, similar age. And then I had someone who was ahead of the game, someone who knew what was coming so I could kind of oh, learn from them. Okay. And then I had some some youngsters that wanted to they were just getting in that wanted to learn the rope. So I built a team that way. Wow. Yeah. So it was like five, six of us, and I was just working it. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and then awesome. in terms of the the weaknesses, for me, it was uh I was just lazy in terms of my patience. I didn't want to sit in classes. I was like, just give me the concepts. Quick, Mm. give me the concepts. I'm moving. And that was something I didn't realize until later that slowing it down and just kind of going through that grind of slow, kind of uh, tedious thing, just watching it unfold was important to be able to understand how people had arrived to those conclusions and um i guess i guess college became a mirror for that
0: for me yeah
1: yeah
0: uh it's kind of a deviation how do you take those lessons and try to parent those
1: mm <laughs> Parent those in terms of uh, actually parenting a kid, or parenting those towards myself.
0: Actually, parenting towards a kid.
1: Okay, towards a kid.
0: So because biggest... this is like a little things that I'm. Lucas is four. My mm-hmm. my little one's four. Mm-hmm. Yesterday we had a teacher parent conference, um, and then like every year is a different battle of like what maybe principle or skill can I teach you? Mm-hmm. Try to teach you or try to parent you, and you're also having your own thoughts they're having their own experience at school, right? They're also a very different person when they're at school versus with you. Mm-hmm. And your dynamic's even more interesting. Um, maybe if you could share, like, right, because you went through a, a unique education mm-hmm. experience and now um daughter's going through an American experience.
1: Yeah. Uh, the first thing I've I've realized as a dad is that I can't really directly teach anyone mm-hmm. anything, right? And that your kid from the time they're born, they're completely their own person. You can kind of create an environment that molds them and, you know, reinforces certain things that that uh, may may provide uh, a great uh, outcome one day, but we can't can't control the kid. Mm-hmm, so I can't right. really teach the kid, right? Yeah. Uh so that's that's the first thing, just the mindset. of that. Yeah, that I can't do anything. The the biggest thing that I've learned is that the kid will emulate however you behave. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you say or how you move your body or what you like how you're breathing, how you're you turn on the TV, how you read a book, the whole thing. If you light candles during dinner, or if you you know, they will emulate that. So it's you as a father or mother, parent, period, have to become the best version of yourself as you are in uh, the same environment as your kid. And that's it. Yeah. And when you do that, um, you will naturally show your strengths. You'll naturally show your weaknesses. And when, I think when the kid sees your weaknesses, the sooner they're able to see their strengths and how they can actually be become a child and support you as a child, where they're, I'm just receiving as a child, right? Mm-hmm. But also it's important for the, the kid to be present, whether it's, uh, you know, in a peaceful way or aggressive, way, whatever it may be, as long as they're present, now there's a balance. And that's the, the, the ecosystem of the family. And yeah. your kid is four, you maybe go to school and they're like, telling you all these things about your kid and maybe some sound familiar some may not sound familiar but either way you know that uh that's just kind of their observation their perspective and you have your observation your perspective the kid is the one that knows the truth yeah so as a parent who is with the kid most of the time uh all you can do is create an environment that's conducive for the true kid to be themselves. Yeah. And the way that you do that is you lead by example. That's
2: yeah. I, I'm not a parent, but yeah. I'm curious to see what you're answering. Maybe, Juan, you can uh, put in your thoughts. Like kids who are growing in this generation have to deal with uh, cell phones, social media. From the start now. From the start. <laughs> kids are you know having cell phones as young as, I don't know, five or seven, obviously modified for their age. But... Soon enough, they'll be uh, exposed. to social media and and what social media drives is a certain life um, that is now in their face twenty four seven. As opposed to when we were young, we only mostly saw it at school or maybe MySpace. My, well, true, MySpace. Okay, my space, yeah, yeah. MySpace yeah. came out when my we game. were Your first friend in, was in Tom, middle, Right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, in middle school. So, so in middle school. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Have you been to the website?
0: Like, it, my my stuff is still up.
2: Is it? Yeah. Did you anyway, have the glittering background though? Like, yeah, I off, this, You had a little. I little music. it out. You had a little, yeah, like a soundtrack say. to your profile. Um, it was so, kind of old. Did you have my <laughs> I did. Okay. But, uh, I mean, well, is it still active? Can we?
1: <laughs> my yeah, MySpace, probably. Uh, it was only a look up chicks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Logan too. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. weird. laughs> so how so, how do you educate a child social media what's the what's the lesson there when it comes to, to I, well, you is. can't
0: block him from any of it? No, right no, uh, like I've made a decision. there was a thought there for a second, like how much do I censor Lucas from stuff? like I'm not gonna show him super violent stuff, but like I'm just gonna be myself. I pick them up. I still play the same music I listen to. They're gonna listen to it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fine. just what Carl said. is like your behavior and your reaction to the music. Okay, the things that they're actually saying versus the things I'm actually doing is completely different. I just like a fat beat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude.
2: Like <laughs> <laughs> well, And it so Lucas will like a fat beat, oh.
1: right?
0: Yeah, but it's. It, I'm not robbing liquor stores on a daily basis and talking about it, right? Yeah. Like the things that he sees, I'm gone before he wakes up. Uh, always busy doing something, mm-hmm. I'm not sitting around just picking my nose every day. Um, so it's those behaviors that he's catching on to, yeah. right?
2: And then he doesn't, even though he might be listening to whatever you listen to, whatever rap, like his he, favorite song right now is Gucci Gang. Gucci Gang, no every kid no way. is. <laughs> you know, so, so, but. It's That's hilarious. The, but he's
0: like the softest kid in class
2: yeah because he's not connecting it to that life necessarily he's not his interpretation of gucci gang is not like i want to like my dad listens to it so he's a thug no he's a hard worker there's it's not like a this direct correlation to what we feel gucci gang represents like for him it's just a song it's not how i'm going to carry myself yeah. because my dad does a certain you know lives a certain way so
1: yeah i th- I think the way to think about it is first of all, social media is a new media and it's a medium in which we all communicate, yeah so it has a new code it's a it's a new way of behaving yeah like any new code any new medium is going to elicit certain behaviors such as like selfie life and duck lips and look at me doing this thing because when we when I get likes I'll give you an example. 3 months ago I decided to post some old videos just to do a test on on Instagram and all of a sudden this thing started spiraling up again uh-huh. I was like oh look at all these likes all these follows and I I had told myself you're only going to do it for a month when I finished the month I had gained like I don't know how many but I had gained x amount of followers and it was kind of exciting I was kind of it was kind of like a drug right and then I knew I was going to quit so I boom quit cold turkey and I started posting the things that I really wanted to post and talk about the things that I really want to talk. Immediately, the numbers just went straight down, started losing a bunch of followers, and I knew it was going to happen, right? The other day, uh, this was last week, I did this thing and I was like, ah, I filmed it. And I was like, I'm just going to post it, okay? And then I'll, I'll have like a little, you know, note in my stories. I'm posting a movement thing, but just know that I'm going to be posting all these other things just to connect with people. Immediately, dude, the light started going up again. You know what I did? The next morning, I was like, I'm going to do another movement thing because I know that that gives me this immediate feedback and satisfaction that... That dopamine uh, hit. Yeah, Yeah. it just hits you. Yeah. And I think that's where we have an opportunity to build uh, a conscious uh, child or a conscious human being that can at least acknowledge that that's what we're experiencing. And then when you can acknowledge that, now you have a conscious choice of what the next step will be. You can choose to do drugs, right? Or you can choose to uh, chill for a second, regardless of what the feedback is going to be. And I think that's where you live in that constant balance. So that's number one. Number two, I forgot. (laughs) I'll I'll add number number two. Yeah, but number two, this is what it is, really. It's um, judging people for their behaviors is uh, is a reactive way of living. Being able to see past people's behaviors and uh, realize the true intent behind it, which is always positive regardless of what they are, whether you're committing a really bad crime— there's some sort of positive intent internally. Not that it's acceptable, mm-hmm. but there's a positive intent that comes from the person. Now you know how to become a proactive participant. You're not just being pushed around. You're, you're swimming with it. You're surfing with it. You're going with it. So as parents, I think that's what we need to uh, teach the kids. It's like, oh, you're listening to this music. If we get an opportunity, we'll talk about why it's exciting and why they're saying the things they're saying and where they come from, what the positive yeah. intent Right. That's good. Yeah.
0: The other one I wanted to add to that yeah. is uh, since we're in a coaching role and people look up to us in a parenting role, I think there's a, the, the huge responsibility of the things that you post.
1: Mm-hmm. Like 100. Even yeah. though
0: whether you like it or not, you have, there, there are people. Right. Watching. We can decide to post PRs all the time. Right. And I like to post like I don't PR that often. <laughs> well, I don't, okay, so there's I don't get other in ones. our world it's like the PR that gets highlighted all the time and that's what, all you see a yeah. lot of. Right. I like to post personally a lot of like well I'm building up to the thing. Yeah. Those those handful of people that look up to me like ten people, right? They they see that work. Yeah. And if I can positively affect those ten people to see this is what happens behind the scenes of every day waking up at 3:30 a.m. so I can get to that one lift, right? Even though it's that one lift or that one movement that gets you all the likes and mm-hmm. like, you, did you, have you guys been following the rest of the the process that went behind and the hurt behind mm-hmm. getting to the highlight reel? Um, we talk a lot about the highlight reel, with like the kids and like a lot of the stuff that gets posted is the end result. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you miss all the the crappiness behind it, yeah. Yeah. All the soreness behind it. Um, so there's like a huge responsibility for us on that end. I
2: that's, agree. Yeah, that's huge sure. because uh, you know you think about uh, as leaders, we have to show them that it's the progress, the process that usually that will lead to that ultimate. You know, five second clip of UPR and whatever movement, exercise, weight it is, and it's for us to prioritize look at me building up towards this eventual resolution. It's like, that's going to be like, that's the key. Mm-hmm. That's the key to that, whatever thing you want.
1: Yeah, for sure. And this is, this is kind of a, the million dollar question that I, you know, I ask everyone I work with. I'm like, do you want a million dollars? And it doesn't matter if they're a billionaire or dirt poor. Everyone's like, I wouldn't mind having the million dollars. <laughs> Those who are dirt poor and struggling, they're like, the million dollars will be super helpful. And we get so many people coming to a gym uh, to, to go into the strength and conditioning world to get closer to the million dollars. They come in, they're like, whatever you tell me, coach, I'll do it. And then uh, you give them the plan. Mm. In terms of accumulating the million dollars, I can ask you guys right now, uh, do you want a million dollars? Yes. Yes. Yeah, right? Cool. Uh, the next question would be, do you have a job?
0: Yes. Yes. yes.
1: Does that job give you money? Yes. Yes. Yeah, cool. Now we have a metric. We have a job that gives us money. Now we can start measuring how does that job give you money? Is it per hour? Is it per month? Is it per impact? You know, we can start measuring that. And we can even get down to the point where we say – Every second of the day, you're making X amount of money. So we can do some very simple math and add up, and it maybe says, Math. Yeah, math. Application, application. Yeah. Yeah. Apply your techniques, develop the skill. Yeah. So we can add it up, and it can be okay, if you work uh, 10 to 12 hours a day, every day, no breaks taken, in 10 years, you will accumulate a million dollars. That's the roadmap. Are you down? I'm down. We know that most people are down when they see the roadmap, but shortly after they start falling off. Mm -hmm. We know that creating a conducive environment where you have a team, you have a coach, you have this thing where you show up and daily consistently build up to it. You you can stick to the plan, but the plan is going to be fucking hard, right? It's going to be tough. So knowing that it's going to be tough and most people are not going to make it all the way through, the goal is to see if we can flip the script. I'm going to give you a million dollars right now, but here's the deal. I know you're concerned about taxes, so I'm even going to add on 250000 even 500000 because I feel really confident right now. The only thing that you need to do in exchange is sign this agreement that says that you're going to work for me 10 to 12 hours a day, every day for 10 years, no breaks taken. Do you sign the contract? Wow. Yeah, I do. Yeah, some people, Yeah. But then and, ah, but then, you know that you become a slave to this ten year thing. So it's not really the million dollars that you're chasing. It's not the PR. It's not the Olympics. It's not uh, whatever it may be that you have in your head. That's just what gives you the 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 thing that sets the direction. What you're chasing is the feeling, and what that feeling, those resources are gonna allow you to do. So how can you establish today a standard that feels like a million dollars? And that's where you have to have a very good understanding of how you are thinking, what your mindset is, what you're feeling, which is, you know, a product of how you're how you're thinking and then how you're moving through whatever the process is. And that's where if you think about a movement pattern, it's scaling. Mm-hmm. If you think about uh, reaching a PR and you're clean, it's, you start with a barbell and then you add a pound every day and then you refine the movement. You show up every day, you get the physiological adaptation, da, 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 da. And eventually the product is the PR. But the feeling has to start today. So how do you act today like you already have the million dollars, which you have? It just looks different. Yeah. Wow. That's the the secret and that's the hardest thing to do but you can do it if you start paying attention. That's crazy. Yeah. That's amazing. That's the million dollar question
2: in my in my eyes. There was a uh, Tim uh, Tim Ferris interviewed Terry Cruz, Hollywood celebrity, whatever, the guy with the Old Spy mm-hmm. stuff. And Terry Cruz shared this idea of uh how do I become what I wanna be? I wanna be a, a high paid actor. And he said, it's a, a do, have, and be. It's like, so what do you want to do? You want to be a millionaire? Okay, then just be a millionaire. Or let's say, you want to be rich? Be rich. And he just told himself one day, being dirt poor, I am rich. Okay, now that I am rich, what do I do? What do rich people do? Mm-hmm. How do they behave? And, and, and he started behaving like a rich person. Lo and behold, over time... He became that thing he set out to be. So it's deciding what you want to be, like putting it out there, like this is what I am. And now behaving as if you are that person and caring about it that way. And so in 10 years time, Mm -hmm. guess what? You look up. Now you're much closer to being that thing you initially set out to be. So it's, yeah, it's sort of like that.
1: Yeah. And, And if you, if you, and you must look up. Actually, because and this is a personal uh, story of mine is that when I started picking up speed and acting the way that I I wanted to be, I was just putting out content, doing all these things. Oh, get a book deal, write the book, become a New York Times bestseller, make all this money. Money was flooding in. I, my bank account was full. Okay, and I had offers coming from all over the place, and I had all the things that on paper are seemingly really cool. It's like all the PRs, I had all those. Yeah. Like my Instagram profile was the shit, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> but when I looked up, I realized none of these relationships are meaningful. None of these uh, accomplishments, I, I don't feel totally proud of them. And that's a problem. So you realize that performance, life, Is not measured in gold medals or numbers or money. It's measured in how you feel. And in order to do that, every day in the process of, okay, how do you act rich right now? You need to feel what that really means at every level from your personal qualities to uh, the things that you're achieving to the things that you own, your possessions. You need to be Mm. proud of those possessions. Because they are an extension of you and then your relationships. And if you can do that, I believe that by the time the 10 years have passed, now you'll look back and you will be rich. You will be the champion. It just may look a little different, but it will feel right. That's hard. And that is the paradox that we constantly live in. It's like, you choose.
0: Yeah. What are some things... So. Were you able to go back and have a better feeling about those things? And where how what did you change to get a better feeling of those things? Because mm-hmm. it's hard it's hard to go back, right?
1: Yeah. I had to let go of everything. And um unfortunately for me, it led into a pretty deep depression. And I was really depressed, getting really sick. But thankfully, as that was happening, as I was crashing, I was also becoming a parent. Mm. So it's All funny sudden, how
0: parenting switches you. It is crazy. and I, I joked to Ronnie, I'm like, or anyone, I'm like, you want to figure life out? Have I mean, a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then you're, it's a, it's a weird switch comes on.
1: Yeah. It, it's a weird switch, and this has been something that, you know, with Lindsay, with BirthFit, Transitioning into parenthood is such a powerful thing and it goes beyond the biology. The biology that we superficially see as, oh, you have sex and you have a baby. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a different level of biology that also occurs. But that being said, the biggest thing that happened to us, uh, to my wife and I, was that anytime you're in a committed relationship, and it doesn't matter what it's with. In the beginning, when you start, you're in love. Everything's beautiful and it's this just awesome thing. And eventually you're like, okay, now we're together, but I don't feel the same thing. You you start wondering, damn, I'm never going to fall in love again. Like I'm never going to feel that love, that excitement, euphoria, the whole thing. Again, I'm never going to have that like crazy madness. Yeah. But when you have a kid, with all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden <clears throat> as a couple, you get to fall in love with another person and that. It's so fucking magical. It, it, you just can't describe it. And, but once that happens, all of a sudden something changes. And you're like, oh, yeah. Falling in love goes beyond me. It goes beyond people. It it goes towards, uh, you know, looking at a tree, and you're like, "Oh my God, look how beautiful the tree is!" And you can you
0: forgot to look at trees. Yeah, you forget to look at trees, and you go back to looking at trees.
1: Yes, and it's raining. Oh my God, how beautiful it's raining! These things seem so simple, but it's in those little moments of falling in love, which simply is moving towards. That's what falling in love really is: is moving towards something that. Uh, allows for you to find the meaning of everything that you do wow and when you do it with your true self like you're all in it produces the results that you need which happen to be uh contained in the things that you want like the pr or uh, winning the olympics or whatever it is you, you have an aspiration to do and i think that's that's cool. Yeah, that's that's pretty damn awesome. Mm-hmm. And that kind of got me out of the the depression and many other things, but that's part of it. Yeah. Um, kind of switching gears, you can go back if you want.
2: How do you filter information? That's a great question. There's you know internet, everything, worlds, writers, coaches, hundred thousands of them. How do you filter all that? And how do you you know know what's right and what's what's wrong?
1: Well what's right and what's wrong, there is no right, there is no wrong. That's the first thing, is that that game doesn't exist. It's the same thing as reward and punishment. That doesn't exist. When, when you look at the world as right, wrong, I like, I dislike, a reward, punishment, you start uh, simply moving away or towards something, and you, you become mindless, and you start lacking awareness. So that, that's okay. number one. Okay. So when, when information is coming in, That's where uh, becoming aware of who you are is extremely important because as soon as information comes in, you will have a thought because whatever Mm -hmm. information comes in, you're going to attach to whatever knowledge that you have. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you attach it, that knowledge comes from some place in your life where you acquired it that may have been a positive experience for you where you're like, oh, yeah, this was a growth experience or this was a very tough experience. And immediately, it will uh, associate with a feeling. And then also, you feel happy, excited, angry, sad. And you need to be able to feel, as the information comes in, what feeling is provoking. And then loop back to why is it making you feel that way? And is this information something I can use as inspiration to move forward? Is it something that's giving me clarity? Or is it confusing me? Either way, let's say you're confused. Being confused is like a weakness. It's an opportunity for growth. Move towards it. Now now go to the next information. I need to know, this is the first question that's coming up. When I do this, this happens. Maybe the information told me that. Is that true? Okay, who's talking about this? You look up some people, and now you start consuming the next piece of information. But if you don't know how to process information, you're never going to get there. So that's number one. Become aware of yourself. Realize that there are, there are thoughts, there are feelings, and then you need to loop it back to a thought and realize, is this inspiring me? Is it giving me clarity or is it confusing me? Either way, I need to act on that. Now, the, the second thing is that we are moving from an information age right now to a conceptual age where less information is more. And what we need to be able to do is we need to be able to uh, pull the essence out of it and see what the universal principle behind that is. That's the concept. And that can only be done if you've exercised step number one, awareness. Because now you're training yourself, you're practicing, uh, choosing how to ask questions on the information that you're receiving and what you're feeling in terms of that, that information. This is complicated. But it's possible to
0: do. Yeah, it takes time. It takes experience. Like yep. The last time we talked about you have to be open and willing to go through that experience. Otherwise, you can't have an output mm-hmm. or an answer to, does this positively, how how does this affect me? Negative, positive, or neutral,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like yeah. Dan, or Ronnie's F45 story.
1: Oh yeah. What is it? Well, you, you
2: probably told me before. Yes. Huh? You drop you you drop the name. You can't be doing that. Oh so, damn. So that. So okay. V- yeah. No. We. Um. Uh. You know, there's many fitness programs out there, and you know. Everyone, oh, f45. Okay. Yeah. He yeah,
1: said yeah. I <laughs> okay. I thought we were talking about a plane. I was like, yeah. Tell me more.
2: No, no. F45. It's a it's a it's a um, it's a fitness program, and I just happened to go there because some friends invited me, and and it allowed me to see their interpretation of. You know fitness strength conditioning mm-hmm. and their model doesn't line up at all in any shape way or form to what we do and how we approach coaching coaching teaching seeing all these different things of fitness and um yeah it, it's basically different and you just have to I, I can't judge it i just see it it makes me feel a certain way and but it's,
1: yeah what does it make you feel when, when you <laughs> uh, say what does it make you feel give me one feeling that comes up uh
2: it's a few words, but lack of care.
1: Yeah, lack of care. Okay, and why Why do you... So this is kind of the process that you have to go through when you're filtering information. You feel uh, that there's lack of care, but there's something oh, else. Care, carelessness. Carelessness. And why does that Does that bother you? Does it make you excited? What does it... Because it, that's only one layer. Yeah, it bothers me. Okay. Be- because?
2: Because there's a, a, a lack of attention to movement quality, which leads to pain or leads to uh, injury over mm-hmm. time.
1: So you see what you did? You you went through a very rational process where you're like, oh yeah, it bothers me because you're careless. And what really bothers me is that the way that you're behaving is leading to pain in your community. Yeah. And because I'm doing something similar, I feel like we're going in different routes almost. Because I'm exactly. trying to go pain-free and you're actually taking – A certain environment, and it's making it conducive to pain. Now, I don't know if you know anything about preventive medicine. Not much. Well, preventive medicine is the worst thing on this on this planet (laughs) to try to to educate people on because people don't care until they are in pain or they're not able to reach the goals that they have. The struggle. So we have to flip this. What is your need? What is your need that is not being met? when you see them behaving that way what need do you have
2: uh, a care and focus to the the way people are moving it's it needs to slow down it, it needs to be thoughtful mm-hmm. everything needs to be thoughtful and it's just it's just um it's just not happening it's just people moving people sh- coaches shouting good job good job mm-hmm. but it's uh there needs to be more that means more care yeah you're totally right but
1: you see you see where you're operating you're operating here which is totally awesome and that those are your values it's the way that you approach things now for people to be able to understand what you're actually saying you need to define not just the need but for what right so it's i have a need for care because i want people to be pain free because when they're pain-free, they live a more fulfilled life. When they're more fulfilled, they're able to actually become themselves, and now they create this flow, and they start setting new trends. When they set new trends, they become innovators. When they become innovators, I can see more, and I feel like I'm a part of this bigger thing. That You see the layer of depths that we go into, oh, and yeah. it can only be done wow. if you ask yourself, what is it I need? What I do, What do I have a need for, and for what? Right? What does meeting my need produce? Yeah. That's the kind of language that we need to speak when we're talking about this. Yeah. And when you do that, what ends up happening is that you're making F45 better without having to say anything directly to them. Yeah. Right? And you are not wasting your time on struggling with it these guys are doing this thing and now they're in my lane and we're, we're not doing the same thing and they're confusing these people and look at the results. You're just going down the rabbit hole of going backwards. Yeah. But it's because you have a need and that need is positive. So we need to bring it out a different way.
2: Yeah.
1: That's, that's, that's the art of communication. That's the art of, of coaching, uh, at a, at a high level.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Um, that's, I think that's where we're going. hmm. And that's very hard to do, but does it make sense to you? Yeah, it does make sense it, that the
2: I'm. I mean, the way you explained it, there is more to the. There is a reason why I want care. Yeah, and it's just m- me being aware of that. Mm-hmm. And now I ha- now that I know, how can I make a difference, or how can I mm-hmm. do that? Because what I did was when I when the person who invited me to the class told me, "What did you think?" I said, "Well, there's styles." and some people that's their style. Mm-hmm. My style is this. We're going to progress. Mm-hmm. We're not just going to have you do, you know, RDLs and not teach you a hinge or do stuff like that. Right. And blur up the music to kind of cover the, you know, make noise. 100%. So, that's what I left it at. I could have been more productive and said, "Okay, well well, I don't know how I would do that <laughs> honestly. I'm not going to go to those guys and be like, "Hey, you, you this is Hey, do you think about this or does it matter? I I don't know. It's this goes back to parenting.
1: This goes back to the parenting thing is you a parent is simply a leader. That's all it is. It's just a leader that people need to look towards for safety and for guidance, right? So when when someone asks you, hey, how was it? You that's when you need to step into your leadership role and be like, Oh yeah. I want to make you feel safe first and foremost. Hey shit sham a sandwich here okay this was a great experience awesome we did the thing you know what there there was a lack of care and the lack of care for me i perceived it by you know blending the music up just do this thing go da da, da. on the other end you know what some positive results are coming out of this people are moving they're active they're having a good time it's a good thing but now you know that there is more to it you want more care now there, if you need to communicate to someone what care means, you need to define care that's that's your work, and now you need to act on how you define care, yeah, and all of a sudden, you start behaving different, and then they're like, "Oh, yeah, Ronnie, when he does it ah that that makes sense That's why he was saying the thing about f forty five you immediately start influencing them, yeah, wow. That's awesome.
0: Now you got to go back, Ronnie.
1: <laughs> That's
2: awesome. That's does that, does cool. that feel empowering to you? It's, yeah, absolutely.
0: Because otherwise, the alternative is just getting frustrated, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You just dig yourself into a deep hole of...
1: Yeah. And as athletes, it's the same thing. It's like, what is it you want to achieve? Okay, I want to make it to Olympics. I want a PR. Okay, what need of yours are you getting met by hitting a PR? People celebrating you? Say it. I want people to celebrate me because when people celebrate me, I find meaning in my life. I see it's the way I measure my performance. Say it. Then behind that, you'll be able to say the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And then you'll be able to go through the cycle. And when you go through full cycle once, you're like, okay, I'm ready for the next level. But we need to get athletes to, to say this out loud. Everyone's trying to be so Humble. Being humble doesn't mean you can't say you want to be celebrated. Wow. Never thought about that. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. It's like we need to be open. And this is what I'm exercising right now. And I was telling Logan last night, we need to be able to receive. It's like, I'm ready to receive. Celebrate me. But with that celebration... I'm going to give back by becoming even a better version of myself, a more inclusive version of myself. What happens when I win the Olympics? Well, I won the Olympics, but it's what happens after when you step down. What are you going to do with that now? Yeah. Right? Um, Carl, can
2: I ask you how you deal with failure? I like asking that to many, like just about every guest. But how how do you deal with failure? How do you deal with, you know, things
1: not going the way you plan or wish for things to go. Mm -hmm. I'm my worst critic and um, I'm extremely harsh on myself. And I've learned over the years that I, that I need to hug myself more. I need to, uh, you know, give myself some praise and thank myself for showing up and at least trying. Uh, So that's how I I deal with failure uh, for myself. And then, the other thing is that I need to um, lean on the people I care about the most. Right now, I'm thankful that I have my parents are still alive and they're, they're good. I lean on my brothers and sisters. I lean on my wife. I, I lean on my friends. Uh, it's extremely important to be vulnerable okay. and be like, dude, I, I was shooting for this thing, fell short. I feel a little, you know, whatever. And... Once you lean on people, they, they start giving you reassurance or clarity or just a little direction, and you start finding your footing again. So,
0: that's the team. Yeah, that's the team. Continues.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How uh, – so we didn't really talk about this. Um, the Olympic story transferred to the rest of, of your pathway, I guess, to coaching, to uh Retail, entrepreneurship. branding, entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. How did that failure kind of drive into the other career paths?
1: Mm. The the biggest or, thing or I lessons. realized. The biggest thing I realized after gymnastics, where a certain way of executing or behaving uh, rewarded you with certain results, and it was measured in a certain way. It was when I went from gymnastics to action sports when I realized, oh, yeah, you, you don't really have this uh, scoring system figured out. So if people are cheering on you, then you're doing it right? right. You're like, oh, people are celebrating because they're feeling something. So I realized that that's where uh, gymnastics, action sports, whatever your behavior was in terms of your craft was always just an excuse to move people. Hmm. And and that's where uh I realized that there has to be layers to this. And I knew that movies were interesting and media was interesting and it was actually Tony Horton, P ninety X, Beach Body. I was watching that one night and I was like, I wonder how many people are buying this. Jesus. Right? There's a fucking lot. A lot. So I started thinking, okay, who who were some of the biggest names in fitness in terms of results? Uh, Numbers-wise. Do you know who the number one was for the longest time? Jane Fonda. What? Yes, the actress. Really? Yes. (laughs) That was your fitness guru in terms of generating the most amount of money and views and the whole thing. Wow. How did she do it? Well, she had fame for the movies and all these things. She had a name. But she did it through uh, workout VHS tapes. What are those? Uh, Yeah, right? What are those? Right? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Videos, guys, videos. And all of a sudden, I realized the power of a product, the power of uh, a method uh, put into this uh, system that could just disseminate information as quick as possible. Social media shows up. The internet shows up. What an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Here we go. And that's where I realized we we need to figure out what are the different industries that people are interacting with and how can each one of those industries be tapped into through an experience and using the the thing, the product, whether it's a shoe, a t-shirt, a drink, a, a car, a gym, right? To become the vehicle. To simply embed the values and hopefully instill some sort of mindful behavior that's where my need for trying to figure out business in uh, an alternative way came from
0: that's that pretty much is the drive I feel like with the book when you go to one of the seminars it's that experience and that feeling yeah. Um, and, and now even through Strike Movement, it's like the feeling of it.
1: Mm-hmm. I love Strike Movement. I love freestyle. I love all my brands and all my things. But they don't define me. And I'm not tied to them in a way where I feel like they are my life. I'm just driving them.
0: You're just living me.
1: Yeah. And if and if that's something that people will see and be like, yo, what's that? Great. Now we're talking. You know? For the longest time, I was running away from my ability to teach people how to do a muscle up. It's like, I don't want to be the muscle up guy. I don't want to be the gymnastics guy. But then I realized wait a second. If gymnastics, the muscle up, strike movement, this book is what's going to attract people, let it be so. And once mm-hmm. they're in the circle, now I have an opportunity to share what I really feel, what I really mm-hmm. think. And it's not for everyone, but. Maybe for some, it may be meaningful. And if it can be meaningful for some, I'm going to keep doing it.
0: I have a similar experience with um, a group of soccer boys that I train now. Mm -hmm. And it's like they come in for training. Yeah. But then it opens up the vehicle like, no, I'm teaching you this discipline thing, this hard work thing, behind the scenes thing. Screw the squat Mm -hmm. that they're starting to grasp. Yeah, Like now they don't miss 6 a.m. training ever they like opened up this new gate of like i can fucking do anything mm-hmm. like yeah the squad was just one way to trick you into thinking that you yes. can do anything
1: yeah
2: in can exactly. i exactly please can i uh so in your book you mentioned javier amado mm-hmm. he's your gymnastics yeah. coach yeah and you mentioned how he sacrificed a lot to for the betterment of the team mm-hmm. what makes a great coach like What, what in your opinion makes, so for us, we're young coaches, what are some things that you've traveled the world and you've seen, met many different people, uh, many coaches, what are some qualities that you see across the board among those coaches who really stand out and who excel? Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah, first and foremost, I don't think there's uh, one great coach that is great at all times. Meaning uh, it really depends on when in their life they are coaching and what situation they're coaching. You know we, if you think about some very uh, popular names, you may think about John Wooden, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, what's, what's the deal with him?" Well, he had these like really meticulous routines. He was creating this really um, uh, set way of practicing that uh, elicited a response in terms of team and, and, and effort and mechanics and Whatever, right? So you had this blueprint, a method. That's great. But it was what was happening in between the lines that really uh, made that possible. And I think that's a sense of uh, vulnerability, um, knowing yourself, and then integrity uh, through and throughout. Mm -hmm. That's that's what makes, I think, a great coach, um, which is simply saying that's what makes a great person. And I think a coach is simply that—that—that that, that leader that in athletics you—you you need to be able to anchor a team, and that's—that's that's tough. Um, yeah, my my mind is kind of going in many many different directions, but I think that's 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 the place to be. And if you think about movies that you know inspire you. Every time, you know, the coach gives the motivational speech is after they've been through that, like, raw moment. Think about that. They, you know, they peeled everything back. They've broken down. They cried. And then the motivational speech comes out. And they win the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. It only comes out when you've uh, tapped into the raw, true self of your who you are as a coach. And you need to be willing to go there. And... You need to allow your athletes to take you there because every single athlete you work with is, is, you know, a small mirror of something that needs to be revealed Mm -hmm. for yourself. You must be willing to see that. And I think, um, like a, an indicator of you seeing that is when you feel like you need to tell someone something, yo, I feel like you need to do this. You're really telling yourself what you need to do to set the example mm. right <laughs> and and that is the the thing i think about coaching is that okay you're going to you're going to have a lot of mirrors being put up are you, i think are you that's ready also fun
0: though cuz awesome. you you get to learn all the time and you just keep winning like it's such every like even from every demographic that mm. I, I get to coach Like I get to coach old people now and I feel like I'm stealing from them because I get to steal their stories.
1: Yeah. 100%. Like
0: we were talking about one of the guys was wearing an Everlast sweater. Mm -hmm. It's super old. And he's like, you know what? This sweater is from July 11th, 1967 from the time I got knocked out in my only boxing match. And he started telling the story. I'm like, dude. I'm fucking winning right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, keep telling the story, but you got five more reps. Yeah, my favorite time of the week. It's like, all right, I'm in the room with you. Yeah. Like, Logan, I'll just be in the room with people.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: take them, take them through this experience of this hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you get so much out of it.
1: You really do. And I think that's what's so cool. And I tell people, you know... It's funny. I travel to all these places and all these people show up. Like today, 100 plus people are going to show up to this thing. And for 10 minutes, uh, they think like that guy has it figured out. No, I don't fucking know. I'm just taking it. (laughs) I'm just trying to do my best with what I have right now. But what makes it feel like I'm ahead is that I've accumulated at a very rapid pace Mm -hmm. so much information and I can distill it into what I think people may need to hear in that moment. Or well, yeah. maybe I need to hear it, you know? And in that moment, people are like, oh, yeah, that that guy's got it figured out, right? Yeah. That's great. It's cool, right? Yeah. Um, but you need to be willing to. To feel all the all the feels, I guess.
0: <laughs> feel all the feels. It's
1: yeah, I, don't, I, I didn't think I, would ever, I don't think I would ever say that,
0: that. Only because you're invented. Yeah, yeah I guess probably. so. God, <laughs> I, uh, I fell for it. All right. We're going to shoot a fire round of okay, questions. hit me. Um, we're going to pull them up real quick. The roulette. Damn. All right. All uh, right. Favorite book recommendation besides your own?
1: Ooh, that's good. Uh, I like Drive by Daniel Pink. Ooh.
0: Next one. Favorite music artist?
1: Ooh. I just
0: the first one comes up. Let's go. Uh, I,
1: I was just thinking Jam. about John Mayer Boom. because Next I feel one. for him lately. Morning daily habit. Uh, uh, writing and reading. Favorite exercise or movement? Uh, getting off the ground. In any in any capacity. You
0: okay? So I was your guinea pig when you did the um, burpee off the ground with no arms. Yeah, I, it? Reme- Diego, yeah. I, I remember I, you. For some reason, I was running away from the cops. That was the context. Uh-huh. And you told me to get away. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought.
1: I you think I like got away. I got away. You got
0: away, dude. You uh, did it. <laughs> Favorite piece of advice. Uh,
1: enjoy the ride. Uh,
0: would you rather be the smartest person in the room or the funniest person in the room?
1: Ah, sometimes I want to be the funniest, dude. Funniest. I I feel like most people go funniest. Yeah, me too. You know why? The laughing Buddha evens out the playing field. Everyone becomes human as soon as you laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. That's all I got.
2: Uh, The only one I like is, uh, what is the most common mistake others in your field are making?
1: Uh, They are not uh, looking at themselves. And they're trying to solve other people's problems. You can't. You can't you can't worry about other people's problems. You can only be worried about what they're gonna do about their problems. In order for them to be able to do that, you need to do it for yourself. Focus on yourself.
0: Perfect. Boom. That's all I got, Carl. Dude, I wanted to thank you. Thank this you was, so much. Thanks, Tight guys. schedule. I think there's some deep nuggets in there. Got pretty goddamn deep Big
2: nuggets man we uh, went there right yeah it, dude, it, it was nice we went over athletics being an athlete being a parent being a coach we like, did a lot so, of parenting yeah carl
1: i like that thanks thank
2: guys I
0: appreciate it thank thanks you. for having me uh internet where can we fo- uh follow you carl
1: dude com. yeah coming in hot now
0: uh questions comments concerns email us at radio dot com. bye show me coach